My name is John Darcy. I'm a uh, director of business development here at Skybridge. If you've been on uh, these Salt Bitcoin reviews, you know that by now, but but just want to reintroduce myself. Uh, we welcome a special guest this week to the Salt Bitcoin Review, again, focusing on the news out of China. I think over the last couple of weeks, people have been very focused on Elon Musk and his uh, tweeting about Bitcoin and energy consumption and the China news, uh, if you can believe it, sort of flew under the radar a little bit last week, uh, but it started to come more into focus uh, in recent days as people break down the implications of China's third crypto crackdown, if you will, following uh, regulations they put in place in 2013 and 2017, and now here in 2021. Uh, just a reminder, we want these to be very interactive. So you can submit your questions at the bottom of the Zoom screen. Uh, there's a Q&A box, if you're unfamiliar with Zoom, where you can submit your questions. Again, we want this to be very interactive. But joining as our guest today on the SALT Bitcoin Review is Winston Ma, a great friend of SALT. Uh, he's spoken at SALT before, including in Abu Dhabi in 2019. Uh, we're very excited to welcome. He's also been on Salt Talks previously, but we're excited to welcome him uh, for the first time to the Salt Bitcoin Review. I'm going to read a little bit about Winston's bio and then allow him to introduce himself as well. But Winston is an investor, an author, and an adjunct professor at NYU, focusing on technology and the digital economy. Prior to uh, joining the faculty at NYU, he was the managing director and head of the North American office for the China Investment Corporation, CIC, which is the sovereign wealth fund of China. Uh, he made cross-border digital economy investments, aka the digital Silk Road, a topic that he's uh, one of the preeminent experts on, and also sought synergies between China and world markets. Prior to working at CIC, he worked at Barclays Capital. Um, he worked at JP Morgan in investment banking and at the law firm Davis Polk and Wardwell. Uh, he's also a prolific author. He's the author of several books, including two that he published in 2020. The first one is called Digital War, How China's Tech Power Shapes the Future of AI, Blockchain, and Cyberspace. Anthony Scaramucci, uh, who you guys probably know, wrote the foreword to that book, actually. Would highly recommend that you pick that up. He also wrote another book last year called The Hunt for Unicorns, How Sovereign Funds Are Reshaping Investment in the Digital Economy. So again, he's an expert on all things China, digital economy, as well as the sovereign wealth fund space, having served at CIC previously. He's also authored several other books, including China's Mobile Economy, which he published in 2016, uh, The Digital Economy 2.0, which was published in 2017, The Digital Silk Road in 2018, and Investing in China in 2006. Winston, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you here to break down uh, everything that's going on related to digital currencies and innovation in China. I, I sort of read a lot of your background there, but if you want to take just 30 seconds or so to introduce yourself to the audience, I think that would be appreciated. Sure, sure. Thank you, John. You know, you already covered everything. So, so I just, you know, just summarize that, uh, uh, you know, all my career is about the China-U.S. synergies, right? Cross-border synergies. Uh, you know, I was educated both in China and the U.S. You know, I was a lawyer both in uh, China and New York. And then before I worked at the CIC for global investments, I, I got to the Wall Street training in, in New York, right? So, so to me, there's no better place to to be, you know, comparing to the tremendous opportunities between the China and U.S. So, right. so I'm glad, really, really excited to, to join your event because, you know, Sky Bridge, right, as the name suggests, you know, is still building the important bridge between China, U.S. and everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I think, Winston, you as much as anyone, having lived in both China and the United States, having been educated, having practiced law in both places, you're one of the preeminent experts on cross-border issues 
between the U.S. and China. And that's why we're always grateful to bring you onto our physical SALT conference platform and also uh, do things with you digitally here in the COVID era. But let's dive right into uh, digital currencies and China. Obviously, the big news that I was talking about earlier, China issued their third crypto crackdown, if you will, uh, last Friday. They yep. basically announced that they were taking the next step uh, beyond just uh, you know, encouraging people to avoid cryptocurrencies and banning certain elements of, uh, of practice in crypto markets. Was this sort of just a, a reiteration of prior regulation or did they take a step further with this new set of regulations and, and what were those new regulations? Great. Uh, so so we, we start by saying it is not a simple reiteration of earlier regulation. You know, uh, to me, it is a serious upgrade of crypto regulation in China. You know, for first of all, you know the Friday statement that came from you, right? You know, you just mentioned, right? Uh, it is just like a one statement, uh, one sentence statement uh, from the the State Council Financial Stability Committee. It says, you know, China will crack down on crypto mining and trading. Yeah, uh, and 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 this Financial Stability Committee is led by Vice Premier uh, Liu He. You know, he, you know, obviously, you know, we're all familiar with his face because he is also the main negotiator for China-U.S. trade war, right? right. Uh, so, so this statement represents a position positioning taken by the highest level financial regulator regulator in China. You know, actually, China's central banks, uh, China SEC, and bank banking regulators, you know, they are all under this committee. So that's number one. Number two. Uh, uh, this is the first time China comes up a direct attack on the mining activities. You know, in the past, uh, uh, the, the recent, uh, you know, like people keep referring to uh, the 2017 regulation, you know, that, that, that was mostly about trading. Uh, so this is the first time China wants to directly and seriously regulate the mining itself. And the third is about the value of crypto. You know, for the first time, you know, the uh, the regulators uh, come up with this with this strong statement saying cryptos are not supported by real value. And, and this is a very strong statement, right, for crypto trading because for 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 the world of cryptocurrency, everything is based on belief. So uh, when you look at these factors, you 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 would say, you know, this is a very serious upgrade of the regulation, and it is. Uh, uh, more serious than people expected. Right. Yeah, that, that was going to be my next question. For people yeah. who are observers of the space, of which you are one, is this something that people expected you know, this to be the natural progression of China's stance on cryptocurrencies, or did this go further than people perhaps expected? Yeah, quite uh, a bit. A bit. Quite a bit further, uh, John. Yeah, because you know, before the Friday statement, right? Last week we also had a Monday. Monday we got a new kind of a rule coming out from three industrial associations in China. You know, the the, the, the three institutions are institutions are uh, the Payment and Settlement Association, the Internet Finance Association, and the Banking Association. You know, they they come up with a notice. Uh, saying, you know, uh, all activities relating to uh, cryptos in in the financial system must be stopped. Now, this this is about a, a rule coming from come, coming from three industrial associations, right? So so they can be 
they can be referred to as financial reg regulators, uh, but much lower level comparing to the Financial Stability Committee led by the Vice Premier. Uh, so when Monday that notice come come out of from the three uh, industri industrial associations, um, most people looked at that as a as a moderate regulation and also to some extent just a compliance, uh, 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 you know, a minor compliance step actually, you know, that, that's how people think about, you know, from a cynical view, because they say, you know, these these three guys, these three industrial uh, in associations know it's very hard for the financial intermediaries to track the money uh, uh, related to crypto trading. You know, so for example, if someone uses Alipay, you know, the mobile payment of Alibaba to move money into crypto exchange uh, uh, and then later, you know, uh, use the, uh, the mobile wallet to trade C2C, consumer to consumer with, uh, with, the, with another individual. You know, it's, it's you know, even, it, it's not even on exchange, right? So right. it's not even harder for the regulators to track. Yeah, so the cynical view was, oh, you know, the, 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 the regulators just want to kind of reiterate the, the prohibition so that they are off the hook if down the road something happens, right? Uh, right. That, that was Monday. But Friday, you know, when this uh, top-level regulators come out with such a strong statement, uh, that is much, much stronger than people expected. Why do you think, in terms of timing, why do you think China right now decided it was time to take the next step and crack down even further on crypto? Was it mining and the environmental concerns that have sort of come to the fore and, and their pursuit of, um, you know, of better environmental conditions there in China? Was it sort of the rise in price and, and the adoption of Bitcoin? They thought they needed to act now. What do you think the timing was? Uh, what was the rationale behind the timing? Uh, you, you, you're, you're right, John, you know, uh, all these above, you know, all, all the factors you mentioned. Uh, but first of all, it's definitely coming from uh, the, the, the rising speculation in the market. You know, uh, when you look at uh, the, the China market, actually it is even more speculative than, than the US market. Um, very high levered derivatives contracts uh, are being traded by, by just average you know, retail investors without much knowledge about the financial market. I, I give you an example, right? Uh, you know, I used to be I used to be on the uh, trading market, uh, trading trading floor of J.P. Morgan. You know, I dealt. To, I was a equity derivatives specialist for for a few years. Uh, I'm very comfortable with derivatives, right? But if I want to trade derivatives at my Fidelity account, actually, I have to go through a few pages of like compliance questions. You know, uh, but but in China, like you know, within minutes you can open account. You know, on the on the crypto trading virtual exchanges and 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 uh, uh, trade options on cryptos yeah. and add on twenty times leverage on the option contract, right? So so that's a little too much. For I mean, the we've heard about cases. Investors. Yeah, I mean, we've yeah. heard about cases in Asia of hundred x yeah. leverage. You know, there's exactly there tremendous was. leverage uh, in Asian markets. There's more regulation here in the U.S. around leverage in general and also as it relates to crypto, but 
Go you have a right, right. You know, I heard heard about that uh, 100 <laughs> leverage contract. You know, that means like you know, for the underlying asset, it, it moves one percent. You know, then then either you win big or like you wipe out. Right. Uh, yeah. So 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 that's number one. And, and number two, you know, uh, you touched on the uh, environmental uh, consideration. You know, obviously, you know, crypto mining is a huge, uh, uh, hugely energy intensive process, and the China has 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 you know more than half of global hash power, right? So that's, that means a lot of mining. Uh, now what's triggered this debate in China was a research report uh, two months ago, you know, led, uh, you know, done by academic uh, uh, people, led, you know, led by the Tsinghua University. Right. Um, and the Tsinghua University obviously is very close to the government. You know, they, they come to the, Conclusion, you know, that report came to the conclusion that uh, uh, that uh, Bitcoin mining, you know, may undermine China's effort to control, you know, uh, uh, greenhouse gas emission. Right. Uh, and you knew several months ago, China had uh, had this carbon neutral, carbon neutrality 2060 kind of notion uh, oh, started, yeah. right? So, so, so that's uh, another important consideration, and I guess, you know, a, a third consideration there is, um, is is probably related to the digital currency. You know, the central bank digital currency. You know, uh, the, the China is is leading the, you know, is working on the testing of the digital currency, uh, and if everything goes well, you know, the, I, the 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 original plan is to launch the digital currency next year, around the Winter Olympics time, right? Uh, so, so in connection with the central bank digital currency launch, uh, I think you know maybe the government wanted to reduce the speculative atmosphere around the digital currency slash tokens, you know, so that the, uh, the the sovereign digital currency can come out in a more kind of peaceful and more normal environment. Right. They almost wanted to disassociate in people's minds the speculative frenzy around yeah. cryptocurrencies as people currently understand it and yeah. the idea of a central bank digital currency, which they don't intend to use for speculative purposes. It's more to bring the financial system into the 21st century uh, using blockchain technology. Is that is absolutely that right? You know, that's a great, great summary. But, but I can, but I can do it. <laughs> no, I, I can't do it any better than you, Winston. Yeah. But yeah, as it relates to the digital one, what is the progress they've made on that front what is their strategy around, you know, trying to spur adoption of the digital wand, both domestically yeah. and internationally? We had recently uh, a fellow by the name of Michael Greenwald joined us on the Salt Bitcoin Review. He's a former U.S. Treasury official talking about how China might, uh, they might demand that people use the digital wand in international trade. They accept it uh, as payment for, for, you know, oil, for example, in, in the Gulf or things like that. What is their strategy for trying to drive adoption of the digital wand? Oh, a great question. Uh, I, I, we can look at this from uh, two aspects, you know, domestically and overseas. You know, uh, the, domestically, uh, the, you know, the, their strategy is very simple, you know, to, to, uh, which is to make the, the e-yuan, you know, the digital yuan, exactly same as the existing currency. You know, that, that's their strategy. So, so, they, so, they, so they say, okay, you know, this is only about money insurance. So when the money, when the EU arrives individual arrives at the individual's hands, it's just the same as your, uh, uh, like your regular 
paper money that you received in the past. Yeah. Uh, and, and furthermore, you know, when when the digital yuan goes into your digital wallet and then you use it in commercial contexts, uh, you know, the user experience is exactly the same as if you are using the, the, the third party mobile payment uh, apps like Alipay of Alibaba or WeChat, WeChat Pay of Tencent, right? So, so re they really want to design it, uh, make it, you know, nothing fancy, nothing magic, and it's exactly the same value, right? Uh, because otherwise, you know, people may turn turn e yuan, you know, into speculative trading as well. So that's the domestic part. Now, the 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 international part, uh, uh, what they're trying to do is to uh, to start with emerging markets uh, to uh, to avoid to 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 try develop trades without the usage of the U.S. dollars, right? So, so you mentioned about Middle East. So, if you if you think about China, let's say China and uh, Saudi, right? Or, or yeah, China Saudi. You know, China needs to buy oil from Saudi, and Saudi needs to Im import Chinese consumer goods. Right. And, and these, these two guys will say, you know, why do we need to have U.S. dollar in the middle? Right. right? Why do we have to like convert twice? Petro dollars. Um, you know, it was, it was a big right? part of U.S. foreign policy strategy um, yep. uh, early in the alliance with Saudi Arabia. But go ahead. No, no, you, you, you're, you're, you're on, on that. Right. You know, it used to be petrodollar, Right. But now, like, you know, when 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 you get to the petrodollar, actually, you know, it will be uh, we use the for other part of the uh, global trades. So for for countries that you know that have trades trades with China, you know that there's a natural kind of uh, uh, natural context to avoid to 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 go into future trades without the usage of U.S. dollars. Uh, and I think the, the digital yuan, you know, because it's it's more convenient and it you know it's more transparent, etc. You know, may actually accelerate that process. And actually, you know, according to media, right, you know, several several central banks research uh, centers are working with China central banks research centers to develop you know this framework, you know, which includes Hong Kong, uh, Thailand, and uh, 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 Saudi in the Middle East. And, and, and when you think about that, right, you know, Southeast Asia, Thailand, you know, is also a big trade partner uh, with China. So, so you can see, you know. The, the usage of U.S. dollars to decrease in those kind of contexts for start. Right. So Peter Thiel, a prominent venture capitalist who, who you likely have heard of, uh, he recently surprised a lot of people. He's a pro-Bitcoin, Bitcoin maximalist, self-professed. And he said that we can't discount the possibility that Bitcoin was created by the Chinese government as a financial weapon to try to destroy U.S. dollar hegemony. Um, do you yeah. think that do you think that Bitcoin was created by the Chinese government under the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto and is a financial weapon aimed at, you know, hurting the U.S. dollar's dominance around the world? Yeah, no, inter interesting, interesting thing. You know, uh, obviously, lots of people in China said that was just completely crazy statement, right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but I wouldn't say that right away because number one, you know, uh, uh, Peter Thiel's uh, uh, partner, RJ uh, Royan, you know, wrote to the forward for my another book, you know, uh, The Hunt for Unicorns. Uh, so. So, so you know, I, I definitely know him, uh, know he's a smart guy, right? And secondly, 
you know, uh, he, he also went to Davis Polk, you know, briefly, you know, much brief than I did. Uh, uh, so, so, so he must be a, be a smart person, right? right. Uh, so, so, so with that, you know, I wouldn't say that's complete uh, crazy. You know, I think what Peter, Peter was trying to say, he said, was, was that uh, China always wanted to have a third currency to, to challenge the U.S. dollar instead of using the renminbi itself. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, so like if they're fighting a war, if, yeah. if they're fighting a war, they want the U.S. dollar to have to fight the war on two fronts rather than on a single front. <laughs> OK, yeah, that's possible. That's possible. Uh, so so Peter was saying, hey, you know, before Bitcoin, right, you know, uh, China was very close to euro, uh, you know, hoping to get the euro uh, to challenge the U.S. dominant U.S. dollar dominance, right? Obviously, U.S. dollar, you know, euro did did not achieve that. Uh, now, you know, Bitcoin, you know, maybe another third currency that China could use, right, to 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 challenge the attractiveness of U.S. dollar globally. Right. I, I think that's what Peter is saying. Uh, so, so I think we, uh, here here you have two ways to look at that. You know, like number one, you know, the third currency thing. The, uh, uh, you, you 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 can you can always like you know think about these geo, geo, geopolitical issues you know from a conspiracy theory right uh, but you know uh, the another aspect you know you would say you know this is quite impossible right because uh, no matter how powerful China government is domestically right uh, it, it is very hard for China to control you know the uh, the, the flow of Bitcoin uh, and, and the uh, the, the the global acceptance of uh, of right. Bitcoin, you know, so it's 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 very difficult for China yeah, I mean, to I, I have any meaningful the, impact. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the fact that China obviously has capital controls in place, it always sort of seemed far fetched to me that they were the ones engineering the rise of Bitcoin because cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin are are tailor made for evading capital controls if they're not regulated, uh, which obviously China has taken steps to prevent capital flight using cryptocurrencies. But right. do you ever think that China will enter an environment where they might unban Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies where, let's say it's 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, uh, their their currency stabilizes, they've onboarded you know, digital yuan into their economy and into the global economy, and they, they decide that they want to take a friendlier approach to Bitcoin and crypto? Or do you think this is a permanent long-term ban? Yeah, I, I, I think it would it would depend on many many important factors. You know, uh, number one definitely is the, uh, is the is the launch of the digital currency of the central bank of China. You know, like the sovereign you know the sovereign digital currency. You know, they they have to see uh, how how popular it is, and, and frankly, you know uh, how not only domestically but also globally. Uh, uh, because the, the digital currency may help the interna- internationalization of, of Chinese currency. Uh, and, and another one is about global regulation. You know, right now, you know, China looks like the minority, right? Uh, and, and earlier, a few weeks ago, you had the had the Indian market webinar, John, right? You know, the, 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 the Indian side is also considering a, a ban on crypto trading in 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 India, um, so you know, if, if twenty years later, you know, uh, central bank digital currency becomes the mainstream, uh, uh, crypto assets are banned everywhere. You know, I think I don't think China going to change its mind. Uh, but but uh, if uh, if you know the the digital currency become a, a established system, 
And at the same time, you know, the, the global central banks all find a way to to deal with the, the, the a parallel crypto system at the same time. Uh, you know, may, maybe you know China will reverse it. Yeah, uh, but I think you know it, it all comes down to whether the global central banks, not only China but also global, uh, can kind of uh, uh, can live with crypto assets. You know, in the future financial system. Right, Lael Brainard uh, of the, the U.S. Federal Reserve came out uh, in the last week talking about research that the U.S. Federal Reserve has been doing on central bank digital currencies, and they plan right. to issue a white paper this summer that'll be gotcha. fascinating in terms of the way they start thinking about whether to launch a competing central bank digital currency, right. uh, digital dollar, uh, and, and obviously the implications that would have on this entire digital economy arms race, which you've written extensively about. But I want to talk about Bitcoin mining for a second. So yep. you talked about how this latest uh, set of regulations out of China, it banned Bitcoin mining, which was huge news. Again, as you mentioned, anywhere from 50 to 70% of Bitcoin hash rate exactly. emanates out of China and mainly out of three provinces. It's the Xinjiang yep. province, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, right. uh, the Sichuan province and Inner Mongolia, uh, which... Yes. Uh, in March, they announced they were going to crack down, especially in Inner Mongolia, because almost all Bitcoin mining uh, was coal powered. And obviously, that yep. doesn't fit with their, their goal to be carbon neutral by 2060. How are these miners reacting to the news? Are they planning to pick up and move their operations elsewhere? Uh, you know, how, how is that going to evolve in terms of the geography and the, the volume of Bitcoin mining? Yeah, you know, this relocation talk is happening. Uh, uh, because there's, there's a crash, uh, there's a crackdown. It is is pretty serious. I heard. You no, know, uh, it seems like you know uh, they, they're basically telling them to shut off the lights tomorrow, or there's going to be a, a grace period where they're allowed to transition. Uh, see, uh, there will be a transition time because the the rule is not outright kind of shut down today, uh, and even the, uh, the the new rule come came out from uh, in in the Mongolia yesterday, right? Is still like a seeking public comments. Um, you know, look, looking at the Inner Mongolia rule, you know, yesterday, you know, it, it was very serious, right? You know, uh, it, it will take away all the policy perks to to data centers, you know, uh, to data centers projects, uh, and um, it, it it will uh, limit the electricity supply to those data centers. And thirdly, you know, if people continue mining, you know, uh, guys will be put on the list of dishonesty. <laughs> this is a part right. of the China social security, social credit score system. Yeah, I don't, you know, like, I don't think you want to find yourself on that list. I'm not intimately familiar uh, with China, yeah, but, but, but it doesn't sound right, right? Like a, a list, a list of dishonesty. <laughs> right. Right. Because it relates to people like a fourth, like a default on their debt, you know, <laughs> so that they cannot take uh, take a flights, you know, uh, that, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so, so it's a it's a pretty serious stuff. So so this relocation discussion is really happening, and 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 for the uh, for for some people in North America, they they think it's opportunity to connect, you know, the uh, the, the the cheap energy, you know, data center infrastructure in the U.S. and and the open policy, obviously, right, in the in the U.S., Canada, etc., uh, to 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 meet with the migration, you know, of of, of Chinese uh, mining equipment. Well, certainly uh, Elon Musk and Michael Saylor have started the Bitcoin Mining Council. 
trying to yeah. tackle the issue around sustainability, environmental impacts, uh, with a view towards making Bitcoin mining greener. Right. And there's some perception that actually the crackdown in China yeah. could be positive for Bitcoin, because I think especially in the U.S. and right. parts of Europe, uh, the, the concern around ESG investing was certainly right. becoming very loud, and it was, it was potentially going to be the source of regulation, some believe, in the U.S., uh, but by, by eliminating Bitcoin mining in China, you're taking what was mainly coal-powered, dirty Bitcoin mining and yeah. potentially transitioning it to cleaner mining. Let's say that mining moves to Kazakhstan. Is, is that an area where they're using coal as well for mining purposes or they're using greener sources of, of power? Well, you know, it's a, it's a, and I actually had a business trip there, right? I know you uh, go to Kazakhstan a lot. I did, I did, yeah, I did. You know, and, I, and it was related to an agricultural project, you know, uh, in the context of Belt and the Road. So, so I certainly understand a little bit about the country's hydropower. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the country is mostly about energy, oil energy, you know, uh, you know, uh, when you look at the, you know, you know, I worked at CIC, right? Uh, when you yeah. look at the, the sovereign fund of uh, Kazakhstan, the, the, the capital was mostly coming from oil energy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they have some hydropower as well. But, but that, that country is not known for lots of rain. I have a fun it, fact for you, um, yeah. Winston, is that, you know, you know, we have our SAW conference in the U.S. Yeah. We have it in the Middle East, most recently in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> yeah. We've done it in Singapore. We've done it in Tokyo. We actually received an approach uh, from officials in Kazakhstan who are looking to build out uh, Kazakhstan as a global financial center about right. hosting salt. Uh, oh, you're right. Kazakhstan. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so, uh, salt. You know, maybe Almaty, right? salt Kazakhstan will be on the agenda, and and we'll host it. You know, near some sources of, of Bitcoin mining. But I want to go to some questions from the audience uh, yeah. as we continue the conversation. So, Please. Um, Stephen in the chat is asking about that state council. So you mentioned that Liu He is yeah. the head of the state council. He's the vice premier, you know, one of the most powerful people in China. Yeah. Um, so he wants to know uh, more about that state council. How many members does it have? How are they chosen? Um, you know, what was its origins? Could you tell us more about that state council? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Now, now state council is, is, is essentially the central government, right? You know, uh, so the head of the state council is, is the premier uh, Lee, you know, and, and, and 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 within state council, it can form different committees for different things. You know, um, Vice Premier Liu He is the vice premier responsible for the financial industry, among others. You know, so actually CIC reports, CIC reports to him. You know, so uh, and and all the uh, financial regulators re report to him. You know, uh, so essentially the setup is you have uh, uh, Vice Premier Liu He as the chair of that committee. And then the heads of the different ministries are the members of that committee. That, that, that's the major main kind of composition of that committee. So when this committee makes that decision, that means uh, the ministers under it uh, would have to de develop a more detailed implementations relate, relating to that uh, uh, conclusion. You know, so so maybe in the coming days, week, you know, we will see some more detailed implement implementary uh, rules to come out of these uh, ministries. So, to the extent you study this, we have another question in the chat, and it was also a question that I had uh, in the follow up. But what impact do you think? You know, what could be a significant decline in the global hash rate for Bitcoin 
what impact do you think that'll have on the Bitcoin network, the, the Bitcoin blockchain, and what, how could that impact the value of Bitcoin? Right. You know, uh, super important question. You know, for, first of all, just about the, the global blockchain infrastructure, right? Uh, the, this may be a kind of stress test, see whether this, you know, whether the, the whether the disappearance of a huge, uh, huge, huge hash power, or you know, the, the, the disappearance of a, a major node, uh, will will have a devastating impact on the global blockchain infrastructure. Um, we never we never seen that before. So, so this you know, you, you, if China shuts down, this will be, this will mining, be an interesting experiment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's kind of stress testing, right? You know, and, and of course, right. you know, I, I, I saw people who know blockchain much better than I do, you know, keep saying uh, it, it's a, it, it should be all fine. It's, the stress testing is good because right. after that, you know, you can, well, we, we did have yeah. one, uh, you know, stress yeah. test that took place a few weeks ago when right. there was uh, rolling power outages in China that caused Bitcoin mining in uh, Xinjiang, uh, Sichuan right. to, to mm -hmm. go offline. And you did see a momentary, uh, you know, pullback in price that was quickly reversed. Yep. But it's certainly something to watch and, and something that could contribute to future volatility. And um, excellent point, right? Because yeah. people say you used to be too centralized, right? So, so maybe uh, this can make the, the the global blockchain infrastructure like more decentralized. All right, and yeah. you're a good salesman for Bitcoin here, Winston. We we got to get you on our sales team, but. <laughs> um, so do you have, we have a question in the audience and I think this is relevant to us too. Uh, what are your views on Ethereum and other uh, blockchain products? I know sort of the crypto ban in China was wide reaching. It, it covers pretty much every crypto asset, but do you have views on Ethereum, uh, you know, the sustainability of that blockchain, you know, at Skybridge, I think we've teased this before on, on these right. talks is that we are likely going to be uh, providing access to Ether through a product uh, in the coming months. So something for people that are on here to, to watch out for. And I know, you know me personally on the recent dip and, and uh, you know, a lot of smart people in the space, I know are very mm -hmm. bullish on Ethereum, especially given the recent pullback, but do you have views on the Ethereum blockchain and, and the NFT space? Yeah, no, it, it, this is a very, uh, very timely topic, right? You know, until, like, until last week, you know, before this, you know, uh, China regulation kick in, that was all the talk in the Chinese community. Yeah, because to, to the, in the Chinese community, the main question was, uh, will Ethereum become, become the, the main platform going forward? And, and, and you know, the, relating to that question was, you know, would some new, new chain, new chain, especially those based on kind of multi-chain interoperability uh, from day one, uh, uh, replaced Ethereum as a future ecosystem foundation. You know that that was that that was the the most important uh, uh, discussion within Chinese communities. You know, last twelve months. You know, uh, before this regulation kick in, uh, the background of this is uh, 2020, 20, uh, yeah, twenty twenty. You know, the, the the key word in the in the Chinese blockchain community was multi chain. What was, was multi-chain? Yep. Was <laughs> so 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 projects like uh, uh, Polkadot, right? You know, Cosmos. You know, those those, those multi-chain uh, uh, construct, you know, become very popular in, in China. And and the 
you, you see, you know, China uh, uh, Binance Exchange, which which has China background, right? Also came up with BSC, you know, uh, Binance Smart Chain, you know, as as a as a new kind of multi-chain uh, environment, uh, which took a lot of transaction volume and users, you know, from Ethereum. Yeah. Uh, okay. So 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 when you look at this, you know, if you forget about the regulation for a little moment, uh, I, I think you know this uh, this multi-chain discussion is already there. And when you look at the transaction volume of BSC, you know, yet to date, you know, it seems like you know it has some attractiveness, right? Because it ha- it has attracted lots of uh, uh, projects and uh, developers going going there. Uh, and and you mentioned NFT. You know, NFT is another context to 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 ask, you know, whether Ethereum is the environment of the future right. or or you know some new chain specific for NFT will come up, you know to to provide you know. So better. What does the NFT market look like in China? Obviously, there's a huge explosion of NFTs here in the U.S. They use yeah. mainly the Ethereum blockchain. Is there a blockchain of choice in China on which NFTs are sold, or is there not really much of an NFT market in China yet? No, a big topic there. Uh, you know, NFT was was also a very big topic. You know, of course, you know because of the regulation, you know, it got cooled, it got cooled down. Uh, you know, lots of talk about uh, building up, uh, even you know, building up a new ecosystem. Um, I mean, there's plenty of NFTs that that don't necessarily involve speculation. So again, Michael Greenwald, who we spoke to recently, he's he's big into the art market, and so. Yeah. Sotheby's, Christie's, these centralized, you know, big uh, art dealers, right. they have created their own tokens. So they're they're operating some of their auctions for physical art, even not not necessarily even digital art using digital tokens because it creates, uh, you know, more transparency around settlement, things of that nature. So interesting to see how China uh, develops their view toward things like NFTs. Well, and Yeah, yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, the, the background of this is, right, China has like 3,000 history, 3,000 years of history. So everyone's saying like, you know, there's a lot of unique things there. Right. You know, so so you're, you're not short of topics there. Uh, but more relating to blockchain, right, you know, uh, there, you know, there are creative minds uh, uh, thinking about, you know, what will be the, the the best chain for NFT, you know, uh, uh, the the gas fee on Ethereum is very expensive, you know, in a, in a, you know for 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 a kind of, you know, if you are like a multi-million NFT, you know, it's it's not a big issue, right? But if it, if you're just just talking about everyday everyday play, you know, it, it becomes very relevant. Um, so 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 maybe you know you will see some new public chain idea. Uh, specific NFT coming from the China market. It's it's a very innovative market. Right. Well, I want to ask you a question about uh, your book, The Digital War. Again, you you wrote that or came out with it in 2020. Anthony wrote the forward to it. It's about, yeah. you know, it's a war, but hopefully, uh, you know, doesn't end up being a conflict in the end and we can learn to collaborate with China on, on technology initiatives. But how does China in general see financial technology, whether that's related to digital assets and blockchain or just financial technology generally, how important do they see that in this broader financial or, or digital war with the United States? And the fact that, that China is a centrally planned economy that, that gathers a lot of data around its citizens, how has that given it an advantage in that fintech race, if you will? Wow, trillion dollar question. Uh, 
You got to so, buy the book to learn all about it. But I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll here. Exactly. You know, uh, if we if we have this discussion in the fintech context, you know, I, I would say n- number one, you know, China views financial stability a uh, uh, big time, right? Uh, we 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 see this in in the current regulation of of crypto assets, and we certainly see that uh, in the suspension of the blockbuster IPO of anti-ant group, you know, six months ago, right? Uh, and, and until today, you know, China still has this capital control, manage the, manage the, uh, manage uh, bifurcated currency. You know, actually on this, you know, uh, you know relating to your earlier question about the, uh, the policy consideration behind this new regulation, uh, uh, money outflow, is also a main issue, right? Uh, because for for every Joe in China, they can use crypto trading to convert their domestic money into U.S. dollars uh, without uh, the without the Chinese authorities' uh, involvement in that transaction. Uh, so so uh, so t- from China's perspective, right? You know, they they have they still have the you know they, they from from a capital control perspective from uh, uh, social. Social social unrest prevention perspective, you know, and from the overall kind of the the, the government control, right? You know, fintech is super super important uh, in, in the government thinking. You know, that's why we 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 continue to see China has uh, has China intensified has intensified uh, financial tech related regulations last twelve months, right? So last question, obviously nothing that we talk about on here is financial advice, but if you were looking at the Bitcoin market right now, obviously uh, from peak to trough, we had a more than 50% pullback in price. Some of that was due to Elon Musk and the environmental concerns that he triggered. Some of it was related to China Bitcoin regulation. Do you think uh, all this news around China regulating Bitcoin is priced into the market today? Uh, or where do you expect to see Bitcoin head? And and we've also shaken out obviously a lot of leverage that was in place in the market uh, over the last couple of weeks. But do you do you think that uh, you know Bitcoin may have stabilized and priced in that news, or do you think we're not fully comprehending the impact of China's you know more stringent Bitcoin crackdown? Uh, I, I think the quick answer is no. Yeah, <laughs> it's not fully priced in. You know, uh, the, the not, you know several reason to that. You know, uh, because first of all, right, get 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 things priced in. You know, is 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 based on the efficient market hypothesis. So, yeah. so so when you think about the crypto market, you know, which is based on belief, right? And there are lots of diehard believers there. So, 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 so that, so the efficient market may not, efficient market theory may not apply because, uh, because that, 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 that was based on like, you know, rational, like this kind of conceptual rational person kind of concept. Um, and, and secondly, you know, that even for, for, you know, there, there are still kind of details to be, to be weighted, you know, coming out of the uh, cutting out of the Chinese regulators, you know, the, you know, we when we you know, when we talk about the the, the 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 reactions, you know, some of the exchanges have have cut some of their services in China, but not everything. Uh, so, for example, you know, Huobi Exchange said, you know, we 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 stop uh, uh, providing uh, derivatives contracts trading to new customers. Right. right. Or, you know, so it's going to be a slow process. They didn't, again, they didn't turn off the lights, you know, at exactly. midnight last Friday. It's going to be a yep. slow unwinding of the industry there. 
right? Like people are trying try to figure out what the details are, right? As I said, you know, maybe some 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 more specific rules coming from the specific uh, ministries, you know, will provide us provide us more guidance. And and does that this is a loaded question, but does that apply? Yeah. Do you think eventually to Hong Kong as well? They. I think it has has impact already. You know, John. I think you have you must have noticed, right? You know, the the uh, the, the the new regulation plan in Hong Kong came out the same week. China tightens up the regulation, right? Yeah, but but Hong Kong, you know, managed to to keep a middle ground, right? They say, right. they say, okay, yeah, yeah, we we should increase the regulation, but you know, before we do that, you know, we, we should, uh, you know, learn about the mar- learn more about the market. So let's do this. Uh, you know, we, we have a, a legislation plan uh, for the coming months. And, and, and the, in, the me- in the meantime, you know, we, we would uh, suggest, we would suggest that. Uh, I'm going to uh, ask you one more question, Winston, yeah. to it. And Norman in the chat, I think it's a, I think it's a yeah. very interesting question. Okay. Uh, so we're going to go into overtime here, but the Wall Street Journal, I didn't read yeah. this article actually, so I need to go find it. But he says they had an article uh, about China and and the belief that they might be intentionally trying to destabilize Bitcoin and and they might not be done destabilizing it. I don't know if I'm reading that question correctly, but uh, yeah. do, do you I, think, I think that that question should go to Peter Tier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do, do you think <laughs> you think this is it? You think they've issued this edict? They've said you know no more use of cryptocurrencies in the economy for payments, no trading. Uh, you know, no use for settlement, anything like that. Uh, no mining. You think this is done, or do you think there's further steps they can take and will take to destabilize and crack down on crypto? No, uh, actually, it, it, it's about uh, the, the steps that they need to take in order to enforce what what the statement, what what the central government position. You know, uh, on one hand, you know, uh, to crack down mining is is fairly easy. Yeah, because the mine fields. The mine sites are, are very easy to track down. Uh, on the other hand, right, you know, when, when you say no more crypto trading, money flow in the financial system, uh, you and I, we all know, right, it, it's a, it's a very serious kind of a compliance issue. You know, like even if you wanted to do that, you need to set up that com- compliance process, right. right, to track the money. So it's not that easy. Yeah. A l- little easier maybe in China than it is in the U.S. Which leads us to a broader question about whether they're, if even if they wanted to ban Bitcoin in the U.S., whether it would be even feasible. Right. My quick answer to that is no, uh, but it remains to be seen what what U.S. regulation looks like related to Bitcoin. But I expect it to be a little less heavy-handed, at least, uh, than it mm-hmm. is in China. But Winston Ma, thank you so yeah. much for joining us on this week's Salt Bitcoin Review. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Look forward to hopefully seeing you at Salt New York in September. I know yes, it's local for you. Uh, we had fun York. over in Abu Dhabi in 2019. Yeah, uh, I look forward to seeing you in New York in September. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you very much, John. All right, everybody, take care.